Welcome to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. In this episode, we get the opportunity to talk to our good friend, Brian Zimmerman. Brian is a gym owner, a father of a two and a half year old and another one coming, a husband to his wife, Vanessa. He is a two brain gym mentor and a, just a really smart dude. We really dig into uh, really a way to solve a lot of the problems of uh, that come up as, as parent. And this is a really fun conversation and we broach a lot of topics. So tune in, buckle up and enjoy the show. My daughter loves Peter Pan and we, we've walked, well, we've, we've got a short break, but she still wears the outfits, but um, she loves it. And we watch the movie at least once a day for like a month straight. So yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> how, how old is your daughter? She's two and a half. Yeah. Two and, a half. and so she's like, overly like addicted or like this is all consuming for her at least it was right yeah yeah well it's i don't know i don't know if she would have been like addicted to like a particular character before but like we didn't really let her watch any tv until she was two but then that was like one of the first things we were like hey we could we can stand watching this and (laughs) she was just all over it she loved it yeah yeah i totally totally uh, have been down that road. I'm sure Josh, you know, I actually visited Josh a few weekends ago and the, the same cartoon was playing pretty much the entire time as son. So I think he, the same. Yeah. Role. yeah it's just a, to me, I'm like, that's just a kid thing. I, I yeah. mean, it was the wiggles. And then after the wiggles, it was, uh, Oh goodness. I don't, uh, I'm trying to think Paw Patrol. And then after Paw Patrol. And then now, I mean, it's like, um, goodness. He, he actually has like a, uh, group that he works through. It's Big Hero Six, Gravity Falls, uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, <laughs> um, and and it just goes on loop. Like he goes through one, then he goes to the next one, then he goes to the next one, um, and and that's not even the crazy part. The crazy part is, and you guys gotta really watch out for this. Is he'll watch on loop YouTube shows that are like computer coding or how to make macros on computers or how to rebuild um, sound processors and all this crazy crap. So um, I prefer the Big Hero 6. Like when I get finished with work, I'm like, hey, can we turn off the 8-bit guy who is rebuilding a keyboard from 1972 that Sully <laughs> wants to watch and just watch Big Hero 6? So I have some, um, I have some words of like uh, encouragement for the two of you. Um, so we've always gone through loops like this. Like Josh, you just re- reminded me it was like backyardigans, and then you know it was like all these shows, and you yep. finish the whole season, you go to the next one, and then it was like just over and over and over again. Well, last summer it was um, Parks and Rec and The Office, and so it just progresses as the age gets up but it's the same thing i my son has watched every episode of the, uh, my younger son has watched every episode of the office for better or worse at least 10 times i mean it's it's insane it, there's just something about looping that is really really incredibly pleasing to young minds i guess and so brian that's what you have to look forward to my man more looping more looping <laughs> well it sounds like it goes into you know 30s even i mean Josh just said he likes to go back to the what was it the 
big hero, big hero whatever. Oh no, that's just me trying to get him like oh on a different yeah, yeah. I'm trying oh, okay. to not have a have a fight on my hands or whatever. So let's so it's like a transition. Um it literally is. It's a transition from whatever he's watching to something we both want to watch to me and Kelly take over the TV. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Craziest part, we started watching this show um, called My 2019 Road Trip. It, it's a YouTube show um, that this guy, I don't even know how he got it on Amazon, but he got it on Amazon. So me and Kelly are watching this thing just randomly and everything, and um, it's not good. <laughs> but somehow it's like terribly great. You know, like, it's funny. He's doing like food reviews, um, and he's going in his RV, and I think he produced all the music himself. How this is on Amazon, I have no idea. I just have no idea. Um, but we are like, we're in it now because, like I said, somehow it's terribly great. So Sully last night sits down to watch it with us, and um, he's like, man, this is fantastic. This is just like all my other shows. <laughs> wow. wow. Uh, so Brian, you have, you have your daughter and you have, uh, what, what are, what's coming up? Are, is there any, any well, more coming up? Uh, yeah, there's, there's another one coming and, and I, we're intending that it's only going to be these two. And, and, and. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's good. Yeah, exactly. If there, if there's more than, more than us, like we'll always be outnumbered for the rest of our lives. We'll be screwed. Yeah. Uh, if they decide to team up, um, but yeah, so in December, early December or late November, it's like, I think in December, apparently the doctor didn't decide whether it was November 28th, 29th, 30th or December 1st, but right around that time, we're going to have a, have a baby boy. So right super on. excited. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations, man. It's Thank so you. exciting. And um, yeah, I just, I, I, I watch the interactions. I'm a little bit of a family creeper. So I watch interactions <laughs> of you and your wife, Vanessa and your daughter and um you guys are ready for it. It's, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Um, so hopefully you you'll be looping in some different shows here, and then there'll be a war. So yeah, yeah. Pete, uh, Maisie, Maisie already said. Um, well, we have to get a Peter Pan outfit for her baby brother. <laughs> yes. so, so you know there'll be two Peter Pans at once, and know. I'll need an extra hook. I don't know how I'm going to hold my sword, but. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, how has been, you know, two years into parenting and I happen to know that you are a business owner and you also do some mentoring and, um, and, and I believe your wife works or did work. So boy, that's quite the load. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, part of the reason, I mean, there's a plenty of reasons why we wanted to go in business for the, in the first place, but you know, one of the big draws for self-employment was the ability to change your own schedule, the earning potential that could get one of us out of working to be the parents that we want to be. Um, and really, it's sort of been like business, for example, has been a launch pad to better parenting for us, um, to give us the flexibility to make transitions um, in our life more smooth for our child and soon to be children. Um, and you know, when I was a young man, like I had, my parents went through divorce and my dad went through, uh, and I should both my parents, but my dad ended up 
you know, through high school, he was the parent that was around for me, um, but went through transitions that just more or less eliminated him from our life. But my mom was gone. My dad was working to keep a roof over our house or a roof over our heads. And so there was, when I was younger, I saw what pain transitions could be. And I knew that like, I sure appreciated like the effort that went in by my dad to make sure that we were taken care of. And at the same time, there was a, this large, I don't know, like, as I started thinking about being a dad, like there was a look in the mirror where it was like, I don't want to, if, if something like what happened with my family happened in my family, I would want to be better prepared to handle the transitions straight away, you know, financially time and, you know, so I've spent pretty much my entire adult life working on creating options for myself, my wife and future kids. Now that we have one, it's really paid dividends. And like one of the things that was, it was way more important to my wife, Vanessa, than it was to me that Maisie never went to daycare. And now, you know, I, I thought it would be a valuable experience for her to be able to go to daycare and, and I still think that like having outside care from somebody other than Vanessa and I is going to be important, but you know, we've done some, some babysitting, like going to grandma's and um, you know, right now in the current times of the pandemic, I'm not even <laughs> considering yeah. it, but um, we were, we just focused on giving her the best possible experience. And like each time that we had a discussion about daycare, it was, well, if we adjust this in our schedule and our finances and we can really like we're 100% involved every day with our child, one of us or a close family member. And we felt like that after every time that we weighed the options to go daycare or not daycare, we said, let's figure out how to keep us being the primary caregivers for every hour of the day that we can. And if we have to, if there's some emergency, then then we'll fall back to some other plan. Um, but like part of that transition was, well, Vanessa was working full time when Maisie was born and like she went on maternity leave and then she went on FMLA and you know, like we took advantage of every possible second that she could save her employment if she wanted to go back. And um, like we were in a financial position where we weren't, didn't have to push it. And, you know, really, like when she went back, it was, she did go, she did end up going back to work for a little while. And it was mostly because she wanted some time, like, mm -hmm. like she wanted to work on something like that was not just not, not the business and not parenting. It was something that gave her eight hours a day to go and not have to think about the pressures of the other two, three, well, two things plus me being the third thing. <laughs> uh, you know, cause I'm kind of another kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So like that, that first transition, like in my mind, we had decided to a degree that she was going to be done working at that time. So I had to sort of backpedal and, and shift around to what, what was happening on the other end. Um, but like, we just focused on like what's going to be best for our child. And then secondarily for, for Vanessa and for myself. And like, we decided like you going back to work is going to be better for your 
mental health and for our relationship and for our child's care than the opposite. So we just kind of shifted there. And I, I think that, and I can't speak personally for anybody else, but I think a lot of people just sort of default to, well, I can still come out financially ahead if I let somebody else care for my child in daycare and I go and work my corporate job and they just kind of, I don't know, I feel like maybe it's not the biggest decision or it's not a big of discussion as it, as I think it should have been. But like we, we sat down and we talked about it and talked about it and talked about it and like we're, we still talk about it because there's still plenty of transitions, especially in this last year. I mean, since since you and I have met at, uh, you know, last year, last June, Scott, like we've had a million more transitions to make in, you know, parenting. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the name of the game with parenting is, is transitioning with all the things, you know, your kids are constantly evolving. It's, it comes with the territory and um, your relationship is constantly evolving. And it's a really good point to, to, to point out that like, it's not just one decision and go. Like, and, and I love that you guys continually talking about that. That's Josh and I will discuss this all the time. It is intentionality of you and your spouse working together on a common goal. In fact, we just were talking about this this morning, how important having those conversations and working together as opposed to bottling it up and maybe feeling like this is uneven. I'm working all the time, you know, letting those things get out. So, and then, uh, you know, my wife and I went through the same things. I mean, she told me I, I'm always going to be a career woman. I mean, she's like, I'm, I'm, I, I have my doctorate degree. I'm not going to let this thing go. And then um, I got us in a position where she was able to not do that. She's like, I'm just going to take a little time off. And then it was like, I never want to go back. <laughs> I love being with my kids way too much. And then, you know, and, but we've ebbed and flow through that. And there is a lot of freedom. And I love what you said about business ownership as a launch pad to a better parenting. I think that that's just such a really cool I, I way to like, like life by design, right? I'm going to design how my life goes. So what, what, what transitions have kind of caught you off? I mean, have you felt like you've made the right decisions at the right times? I mean, so far so good. Uh, yeah, I think honestly, the short answer is yes. I think we did. Like, I, I don't think I've ever looked, I can't look back on my life and, and say that anything went wrong even though maybe another person looking at the story of my life might say that. But I think it's also just sort of a mindset. It's like, I know stuff is going to go wrong and we're going to figure it out because the track record says I'm still alive and we're, there's nothing, there's nothing that we can't overcome. And like sort of being in the mindset of like, there's no mistakes, like something goes wrong and you have a argument or you lose a couple bucks or, you know, your kid's mad at you. Like we're going to figure out how to get around that and keep moving forward and learn from it and grow anyway. So let all the crappy stuff come on and we're just going to get bigger and stronger from it. And like, I don't, there's been times where definitely there's been stress around transitions because, yeah. and I think it's mostly like the unknown of what's to come. And I think over the last you know, four months has been the most stressful. Um, you know, when, when, when transitions pile up, like, I think it's very easy to handle one transition at a time. You're like, this thing is changing. Let's, let's, you know, I'm a math guy. There's one variable changing. We can solve for that variable. 
get it, get it to status quo and then move on. And now we're ready to take on another thing. It's like when, when three variables are changing, you don't know what's happening. And you're just like trying to find any sense of like, let me grab onto the edge of the pool and not drown sort of feel. Um, and I think one of the things like as a family, it's like, you know, we have conversations like, is this okay? Is this okay? And like, you know what? Like we're all here. We all love each other. Like whatever's happening, we've, we've got a pretty good track record so far. Like we've never, we've never died. Um, we never had to file for bankruptcy, like whatever's happening, we're going to just keep moving forward. And like, I think that that's, to me, that's what allows us to be happy even in times of crap. Like this is not the normal. And I think like as a parent, like if I could instill anything into my children, it would be like, we're going to just go figure it out. And I feel like the sort of, you know, I don't know if two and a half is too young to be able to tell whether it's working or not, but you know, my child sees something and she's like, daddy, let's go home and build it. <laughs> like, wow. Oh, that's a, that's a cool bike. Let's go home and build it, dad. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we can do anything we want. Let's, let's go do it. <laughs> awesome. That is super cool. I want to go back to something you started to allude to and everything that you said that, um, uh, Vanessa feels strong, more strongly, uh, your wife feels more strongly, which is the whole, um, who's raising your kids and that she felt very strongly that, that you guys should be raising your kids. So, uh, my first question is just, you know, so what about that? Uh, uh, why does she feel that way or so strongly? Um, I think there's, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of reasons. Like one is we're super confident that like we're good people and like we've, you know, we really believe like the more time you spend around good people, the better person you become. And like, you know, for a child, like growing up, the more time you just spend being in a good environment, like the, the healthier, more quality person you're going to be. And like, we're supremely confident that we're those sort of people. And like, so like, that's definitely one factor. Then there's another factor of like, you know, um, Vanessa said it multiple times, like, until she can tell us what's happening, like, I don't want her in the care of anybody that I don't trust 100%. And right now, Brian, that's you and me. Like, you know, I, I love my family, but even, even them, like, I want, like, if there's, if, even if there's a little thing that goes wrong, I would want to be able to know about it or trust that they would tell me about it. And if my child can't tell me that X, Y, or Z happened, then I don't want her in the care of somebody else. And until our child can do that, then I'll feel a lot more comfortable if she's with us. Um, and I have no argument for that, for that right. one at all, right. <laughs> whatsoever. If you have the financial means and the time means, like by all means, I mean, it, it, not everybody does, but that's, I've never heard anybody say it that way, but that's really the whole idea. It's like, I want to be the influence in my child's life at that age. I want to be the imprint. Like. Um, it was always hard when we were raising our boys and we had, you know, two professionals. What we, we look back and look at, I don't know what we would have done differently. We lived in a town with both of my wife's parents and my parents within a mile of us. And so we literally had that built in and we never felt like we were leaving them in poor hands. Right. Yeah. And it's, again, it's that imprint. Um, and we also had the means to, to choose and that there's a lot of freedom in that. <clears throat> Not everyone has those means or has created those means. I like that you guys kind of go into 
Like we're doing what we're doing because it gives us that option. The one thing that I, I hear a lot and I experienced a lot, and it, it, this is mostly on me, is that I didn't own a business. My first business, I didn't own a business. The business owned me. I mean, I was just a slave to it. And, and time was not something that I had. That was my yeah. first business. Um, so how did, did you ever fall into that trap? And, and, or were you uh, smart enough to see that before you started? <laughs> um, you know, we, our, our business was profitable from day one. Like, so and it, it, when I say profitable, I mean like we had cash flow positive, like, you know, month one is like 70 bucks, month yeah. two, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, so we had a little bit of rel- relief in the financial sense of the business. In terms of the time suck, it was until my wife was pregnant, I said, I can handle and we can handle time being sucked up. Like for us, we, it, was, it was partially a, a business, of, business of passion. Like we love doing it. And like, were there times where we felt overdone? Sure. But when, when I found out my wife was pregnant, the first thing I said is, I need help. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to make sure that like, because I, right from the get go, as soon as our, our child is born, I want to spend two months just being there for my wife and my child. And if, if I can't do it, I, I don't want it to be because of finances for sure. And I don't want it to be because I, I can't take the time. And like, so in my mind, that was like the, I have eight months, you know, from finding out to child being born to make sure that everything was in line. And like, I went into hyperdrive, like mm-hmm. this stuff needs to change and be really good by then. And I honestly, it was the motivation for my business to be way better. <laughs> it was like this, it's gotta be way more dialed in than it is now Yeah, to, to have the time options. And, you know, to that end, like it was like, having a child was a huge benefit to our business. Cause I was like, this is something that's more important to me than business. So we got to make it happen. And glad we did. So Josh and I um, feel exactly, I'm going to speak for Josh. Cause we've talked about this last, we feel exactly <laughs> the same way, but we did it wrong the first time. Like, Oh, a kid's coming. I need to work 120 hours. A week. <laughs> so, uh, wow. like the, I can imagine how much better my, my marriage would have been early on had that been um, the case, probably Josh too. Um, so uh, as far, what's, what are, where's the strongest point? I, I want to get into the marriage a little bit. Um, with you and Vanessa, like what, what would you say you guys are just doing right as far as parenting, as it relates to parenting or your marriage, either way, what are you just nailing right now? Um, I'm, I don't want to say I'm nailing it because I'm, I, I'm, 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 I was, a te- I was, I've been a terrible communicator. I'm a very good listener. Like I listen and I sit there and I think, and I think, and I think, and then I make decisions. And like, I've thought about as many possible eventualities as possible. And then I make a decision and I'm not always good at speaking that. And I know it's something that like, if we're talking about love languages like speaking it is like Vanessa, like hearing it is Vanessa's and like, I've gotten significantly better at that. And honestly, like despite my 
lack of being the greatest communicator on that end. I feel like it's something that I'm getting way better at. And like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to just throw that one in there. Cause I think that's, I think that's a really good point. I think, um, a lot of times we see things that we're, we need to work on or that we're not quite, and we, we call it a personality. Well, it's not part of my personality and we just shrug it off and that actually hurts us. And, and it kind of goes back to the, uh, what Josh and I call the, like the comfort abundance continuum. Like you make these decisions based on whether it's, it's comfortable for you or you're moving towards abundance and you're by like getting uncomfortable. I need to communicate more you're moving towards a more abundant marriage, a more uh, probably fulfilling. She's happier. Um, and another thing that I, I love to say is like, like, look, no matter what happens, you have something that you contributed to it, whether it's good or bad, the decision not to communicate or the decision to work on communication. So it's really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a yeah go really ahead. Thing of just, uh, you know, it's like the obstacle is the way type thing. And you'll hear me say that all the time. Um, but it's like, when you say that to yourself, you know, for all of our listeners out there, when you say to yourself, oh, that's not part of my personality. Oh, I'm an introvert. Oh, I'm an extrovert. Oh, I'm a whatever. Like the best thing um, about that, the thing to take away is you've just identified your problem, right? And the reality is, is that we can grow. We can change in any, any. So the moment you say that, just say, oh, growth opportunity, write that down and then figure out how you're going to uh, solve it. Somebody has solved it out there before. I used to be a massive introvert, and now I don't think anybody would really call me that at all. Why? I freaking worked on it. You know, you just said, I used to not be able to communicate to my wife. Now I can communicate way better, you know? Yeah, I'm at like a C minus now. There you go. (laughs) There you go. There you go. But you just challenged me because you mentioned love language, and I'm sitting here, I'm like, I don't know Kelly's love language. I legitimately don't know it. You know, and I'm like, that's silly. That's silly. So I'm like, there's my note. Write that down. What is Kelly's love language and get really good at it? <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's like my wife and I um, really struggle with uh, friction that comes across it. Friction, something. And I, I, I want to fix it. I'm a fixer. I'm a do action, go 100 miles per hour till problem is fixed and, and goal achieved. And she's like, I need to think about it, analyze it. It's okay if I'm paralyzed by the analyzation. It's fine because that's my process. And it took me a while, but once I learned that that was her process and I just stepped into that, again, it's the same thing. It's like, how silly of me to always try and fix something. It's the same thing. It's like, what is my wife's love language? And hers is totally different than what I most men would probably say their wife's love. Maybe, maybe there is no standard, but it's, it's very different. And I think it's so important for us to tune in. Um, men will say, well, my wife just, my wife's horrible. She doesn't love me. She's cheats, whatever. And, and again, it's that, that extreme, you know, Jocko extreme ownership. Let's go back to the origin of where your wife started being nasty to you. And what were you doing? Because a hundred percent of the time you can bring something back to what you did or did not do. So I think that's, that's awesome that you're working on that, identifying those things. So what do you need to work on now, Brian? Let me put you on. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I think I need to nail that one down to an A and then I can worry about the next step. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, he already told you, one variable at a time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you, you pick the one thing, the one thing that needs the most work, and you nail it until it's done being nailed. And then... <laughs> Probably one of the biggest things I did right in the beginning of 2019, I listened to a podcast, common theme for me. I like listen to a ton of stuff. And the guy was like, like, look, it's kind of the atomic um, habits idea. And I think it's where he was coming from. But he's like, look, pick one thing. He's like, I do one thing every year. He's like, but by the end of the year, I, there's no deviating from it. I'm not going to lose weight, get a better job and sleep better. I'm going to lose weight year one. Then I can mark that off the, the list because it's a part of my, my repertoire. It's not going to change. And then I can, and when I kind of grasp a hold of that, things really started to change. I mean, like you can ask Josh, well, he could vouch for me is I, um, 2019, I'm going to work out every day. I'm going to, I'm going to get back, fall back in love with movement. And now I don't want to, I don't want, it's like, there's, there's, I force myself to do a rest day. I absolutely have to force myself. And that's just what that is all about. It's not that I love working out is that I fell in love with working out every day because I made it a thing for an entire year. Yeah. It's really powerful. Yeah. And just to kind of play off that, you know, it's like, I never, I never planned like a year like that, but it's always, it's just kind of played out that way. And I, I started to take note about five years ago, but it's like in 2015, it was, we, we signed a lease on a, on a professional facility for our business. And like, that was the thing. And then in 2016, it was like, we're focused on buying a house. And then 2017, we got married. 2018, we have our child. 2019 was Vanessa's full time at the gym. And then 2020, it's like, hey, I'm going to focus on, on business mentoring. And then COVID kind of smacked us right in the face. And <laughs> right. But, you know, you sort of pick out a... a you know, I started noticing a couple of years ago and um, yeah, I think the yearly focus is like, you could definitely make a lot of gains on whatever it is in the course of a year for sure. Yeah. Well, you, you think of all, I mean, I don't know the, the statistics offhand, um, but you think of how many people never finish, follow through with their resolution, New Year's resolution. Silly, silly. Like it doesn't matter what time of year it is. I, if I'm picking something, I'm going with it. But if they like, okay, this year I'm going to uh, work on getting a new job. Well, what are, what are you going to do? They, can, they don't have to start with, I'm going to get a new job. They have to start with, I need to be stellar at my job now and, and, get, and get my reviews like through the roof. And then I need to start making connections. So it gives you the whole year to get into this mode and, and succeed and yep. keep that success in place. So yeah, that, anyway, it's, that's pretty cool. So how is... You're ending 2020, the year of horrors, with <laughs> horrors and as in bad things. <laughs> Maybe a bad choice of words. Um, with, uh, with a new baby. That's a, a beautiful ending to a bad year. I mean, yeah. I'll have to take COVID 2020 as a bad year, but it's been one of um, surprises for sure. Yeah, too many variables. Yeah, yeah, lots <laughs> of variables. Yeah, so um, like... Do you feel like you've created, you know, you said you business ownership was a launching pad for better parenting. You feel like you are in that place where you have those tools in place and you're doing the right things and you're making the right moves. I know you're not perfect. I'm not getting Yeah. It. Yeah. Um, we have all, 
I think one of the most important things in order to make transitions is like having options and like the, the, the business that we run is the hub and it gives us options. You know, you know, Vanessa's working part-time on a contract right now. You know, I'm doing some stuff on the side from, from our business and it, each thing like, we don't have all of our eggs in one basket, so to say. And I think like sort of having like, and, and generally speaking, like I like to be incredibly focused on one thing. It's like, with the exception of like the pandemic, the business was sort of set and running its own course. And um, I think that we've played it as, as strong as we could. And I couldn't ask to have done anything different or better um, other than luck. I mean, everything that we can control, we've done to a T. I think the things that we can't control have gone terrible, <laughs> but that's out of my control. So what am I, what do I need to stress about? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That reminds me of the Venn diagram. You know, you've got the things you can't control, the things you can control, you know, it's basically, you know, you only can focus on the things that you have any control over. Um, yeah. So the, you and you're talking a lot about like intentional actions. You and Vanessa have. Yep. How, how do you guys communicate? How do you how do you plan that stuff? Do you set time aside? Do you just talk all the time? When you have a two and a half year old, like that's unplanned interruptions all the time. <laughs> Peter yeah. Pan adventures. One of the, one of the I think one of the biggest things is we have we don't necessarily have a schedule to sit down and go we need to discuss things and like, we don't have like a monthly meeting, but we have like, for the most part, we have a a daily schedule. Like we get up at six, sometimes a little earlier, sometimes a little bit later. Like we, we usually work out. I I'm raising our child from eight to noon. I, I make breakfast for everybody. You know, if Vanessa is not busy with work, she'll sit down and eat with us. We have lunch together. I'm usually on calls from noon to six. And maybe going to the gym or to the you know to our business uh, for an hour or two, depending on the day. And like we have every evening, we eat dinner together and we have time to chat. Daughter goes to bed at eight eight thirty, depending on if she's napped or not. But uh, then we have then we have an hour and a half or so to each other every night. So we're we're constantly having discussions on like how things are going and what if anything needs to change and like. To be honest with you, it's just we're we're we know what's in we know what's important. We've made it into our regular daily routine, and it it come up it's come about by going. I need I need this for myself. I need to work out every day. Mm-hmm. And we go, all right, let's figure out where we're going to put that. And it for me, by the way, I hate waking up to work out, <laughs> but I'm like I. It's important to me that I work out. It's very important to me that I work out. So. Right now, based on our current schedule, the only time we do that is before a child wakes up. So that's when I'm going to do it. And it's sort of like, what are the things that are important to us? Look at the schedule, plug it in, and then we'll sort out the other details. But it's, it's been, it, our schedule is on the 800th iteration since our child's been born, but it's, it's set in stone until it's not set in stone, right? Like I know what our week looks like until Vanessa goes, do you have an hour to trade me? Or, you know, I need an hour to do this. 
cool. Let me check my schedule. Okay, let's, let's do it. Um, and I think that that's one of the keys, at least in my opinion, to our success is like, we've, we've got a rigid, rigid schedule that allows us to, to do all the things that are important to us, including raising our child all day. You hit my hot buttons. <laughs> so you have a routine, but you communicate and pivot when needed. And, and so important, so important because we have to look at the things that are the must completes of the day. Okay. Working out for me is extremely important. Um, time alone, or, you know, it, maybe someone does jujitsu, jujitsu. Okay. Now get those in. What else? Oh, I got to spend time with the kids. Okay. How are you going to clear up your schedule so that you are 100% there? Okay. Now work. Well, that's non-negotiable goes here. Well, what does that leave you? Right. And, and those things change. Josh is going through a transition right now. I'm my, my household is different right now. Um, COVID schedule with kids at school changes it. But the one thing I know is that when I created a rigid routine of things that must get done, no matter how my schedule changes, those things get done so much. Yeah. But people are afraid of change. I think that's one of the reasons people hate setting a routine. They're like, well, I, you know, what if it doesn't work? Change it. Like, you know, to go back to the variables thing, right? The schedule eliminates variables. <laughs> it goes, we've, 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 we've narrowed it down. This is the equation. It's equal on both sides. Like it's there. If, if it doesn't add up the way you want it to, the next week you change the one thing that you think is going to move it in the right direction. If it works, you stick with it. If it doesn't, you try another variable. But like, I think this is, you know, this is a side tangent, but Go like when I was, when I was growing up, I, I mean, I'm a math nerd. Like it just, I love it. And not a single math teacher ever said, this is how this stuff applies to you in real life. Especially when the kid said, Oh, I'm only going to need this math to balance checkbook. But bro, algebra applies to everyday life. Like there's, you want a, you want a solution? Go figure out what the variable is and solve for that sucker. And like, you know, the scheduling thing, like the routine, the habits, like your first iteration of having a, a good schedule, it's going to suck. But if you hit, if you hit some things on the head with it, you go change the things that aren't working, but like, you got to start from, you know, no painting starts as a beautiful thing. It starts as an empty canvas, throw something on that sucker and then go make the edits as you, as you go. And like, just keep, you just keep pushing or, you know, put another brush stroke on there that makes it a little bit better. And when it's perfect, you stop. <laughs> yeah. And then something else is going to change and then you, then you hit it again. So, so with kids, um, do you, do you do the same thing with Maisie is like uh, one, one variable at a time? I mean, like as close as possible, you know, one of the things like when we refer, like when she, when she was first getting into a normal sleep schedule, it was like, I mean, it was painful, <laughs> but you go like, all right, we're, if we, if we have five different variables that could be affecting sleep, this isn't how I solve the problem. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to solve for five variables at one time. I, I, you know, it could be her milk. It could be her diaper. It could be her, you know, she might have a thread in her sock that's in between her toes. Like, <laughs> all right, let's, let's wear the same, let's wear the same outfit for this week. As long as she doesn't poop on it. And let's, let's turn the lights out at the same time. Let's give her the same dinner. Let's, I mean, like, it's all, 
eliminate this stuff and figure out what the problem is, if there is one, or if it's totally out of our control, but at least we, we've solved for that because we, we did one thing at a time. Um, now with her being, once she got into a regular sleep schedule, like it was very easy to make it down to like more like a one variable scenario. Cause now she, well, she just stopped napping in the middle of the day sometimes. So like, that's a pain in the butt, but, um, you know, when you have that sort of schedule, you're like, okay, let's, let's do something different. But we're short answer. Scott is like, yes, but the long answer is her activity time is right after breakfast with me in the mornings. And it's like, we might go for a hike or a walk or go fishing or do something else. But like, we're going to know what, if something goes wrong with her schedule, like we're going to know what the thing was that messed it up. Like yeah. we're going to know. I love what you said. Like, okay, if we're having trouble with sleep, let's make her, let's have her wear the same thing like that. Like I think so many people operate in chaos and it's, it's like, there's no consistency. And one thing I know is that kids, even from very, very young, um, consistency is king. Like a routine, very like they can't speak or express their feelings really well. So it's gonna if something is out of out of line, out of control, or or isn't comfortable or whatever, it's crying, <laughs> right? And then um, I think so many people just like their heads explode and they try to fix everything at once and have no idea why. Instead of just being really methodical, okay, what worked last night? Let's go to that. Let's put the same jammies on. Let's let's put the same lighting on. Let's go to bed at the same time. I love that. I love that. I think my wife was like that. And I, I, I she is a rock star when it comes to ra- raising our boys. Absolute rock star. But what she did was consistency and one variable time. Always. I never even thought of it that way. I knew she was consistent, but that variable yeah. time is huge. She's yeah. a nerd. Go for yeah. it. Uh, you know, Vanessa really started off like Maisie's routine, like, and she like, to be honest with you, Maisie's routine, like nighttime routine. I mean, it's changed like little tiny changes to it over the course of the last year and a half, but like, it's been dinner, exercise, or, you know, walk or, you know, bike ride or whatever, take a bath, read a book, go to sleep. And it's been that way. Like, I mean, until she just stopped nap- napping every day in the last couple of weeks, it's like, you know, she's going to bed at eight o'clock on the nuts every night. And you're like, what does that do for the adults in the house? It's like, just got to make it to eight o'clock. <laughs> and you're like, I can do it. Yeah. And, and then you have some relief, you know, if you've had a, a longer day or, you know, like any of the meltdowns she's ever had it's like you go okay well what what did we do differently than we did yesterday or the last five days you're like oh it was the ice cream you're like "Mm." (laughs) guess we'll do a little less of that by the way a real thing i mean we we have nailed it down i have a 12 year old and we've nailed it down to sugar like when things go off kilt like full off kilt it's like what did we oh my gosh he had a bunch of sugar today I mean, like it's like every time. Yeah. Telling people that's a real thing. Pay attention. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I mean, between ice cream and like just other foods, like something that would upset her stomach, you know, it's like, 
you would, I would have passed it off sometime. You'd be like, Oh, what's what on earth? She's just got an attitude. And like, she probably had like fire poops from eating some, like eating too much onions, you know? And it's like, Oh, well, she hasn't had that many onions before. And like, you see her pound and you're like, probably not a big deal. And then you find out it is a big deal. And you don't know that unless you have at least a, a reasonable routine about what's being eaten at certain times. And you just don't even know. Great point. Yeah. That's a really great point. Not only does routine give them comfort, it gives you a way to control the variable. Yeah. 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 And I mean, like, like I said, math nerd, like I've, I was not a good eater when I was a young man. Like I was total bachelor, like chimichangas and <laughs> ramen noodles in college, like trying to get to two. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was delicious. No and, and and I did get to the 200 pound goal I had. It just didn't look like the 200 pounds I was supposed to be. <laughs> I got there and I then they gave me the nickname, the keg. And I was like, that ain't right. So, <laughs> uh, but um, where I was going with that is like through and through, like I'm just a, a nerd for, for variables. Like I weighed and measured my food for three years, not out of anything other than like what happens when I do this. And I think that sort of intrigue and interest in learning has been the absolute best thing for parenting. Like what happens when, but you can't do that without a baseline and like get a baseline and then change a little thing and see what happens. And, you know, I think that's, I guess when we are talking about what, what I want to talk about on this call, we could narrow it down to, you know, variables and just trying to solve for one. <laughs> yeah. The algebra edition. Yes. But, but I'm not going to name the podcast that because no one would listen. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, my ah, wife would be like, no, we should, uh, <laughs> should name it like how to solve any problem in your raising your kids, something like that. Well, I think it's a great, uh, for our listeners, I think that's a really, really huge lesson to take away from this. Like, yeah. Even for me as a parent of teenagers, oh, yeah. I'm like thinking one variable at a time. Like you can literally solve yep. almost any problem with that one variable. Yeah. That's, I, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I'm sitting here uh, the whole time you've been talking, Brian, I'm just running everything and I'm like, is as structured as I am, I'm realizing that I'm very structured. My family is not. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, this is really interesting because I'm I'm hearing some commonalities. And I'm actually thinking about this last week. Um, Sully's been really tough to get to go to bed. And it just and as you're talking about this, I'm like, wow, we let his bedtime creep almost every night you know, cause we weren't paying attention to it or whatever else. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no wonder, no wonder he's sleeping in later Then he's going to bed later. And, and, and we're just not staying on top of that. So. And it has yeah. a compounding effect. The mm -hmm. further you get away from your baseline, your, your normal, the worse everything gets. And yeah. then, then you're like throwing everything at the wall to see if it sticks, right? Right. Yeah. When you were, if you slow down, like Brian has just said, if you slow down and say, wait a minute, what is baseline? Oh, baseline is this. Then it's like, oh, the one problem is actually this. So we need to just get it back to. Yeah. Now, the uncontrollable variable is a child that will 
because it's a big turd in the plan. <laughs> it is. It is. But I, I think the key, like, you know, she might have the will to not have cucumbers for breakfast. I'm willing to compromise on that one. Right. <laughs> you know, like, cool, we can try something else. Like, I'm not willing to compromise on having breakfast. And it's sort of like you have these things that are rigid. Like, we're going to wake up at 8 o'clock. Like, I'm going to wake her up at 8 o'clock. You know, if she doesn't want to wake up at 8 o'clock, I'm wondering what, what went on yesterday that keeps her from wanting to do that. Like, this morning, she wanted to sleep until 8.30. Like, she was just laying there, like, pretending to be asleep and didn't want to come down. And, like, I'm like, I guess we wore the crap out of her yesterday. And right. she needs, maybe she needed the extra sleep and maybe she, maybe she's going to take a long nap today or maybe she's not going to take one at all. Like she's been doing. Um, but you go like this, if you have certain things that are going to happen and you're not going to compromise on those things, like for example, like you're going to go, whether you fall asleep or not, you're going to be in bed at eight o'clock. If you sit up there in your bed and you're like, look, paging through your book with the nightlight on, I don't care. But at eight o'clock, that's when we, that's when you go into your bed and you're getting ready for sleep. Right. And like, we're going to wake up at eight o'clock in the morning and we're going to put you down for your, for your nap at two 30. If you don't take it, like you'll get an hour of quiet time in your room and you can do what you want. And I'm not going to pressure you either way, but I'm going to steal that hour as quiet time. And like, I think if we sort of, if we have some, like the meat and potatoes of a day are like non-negotiables. Then you can negotiate on the free will of the other things. Like you want to wear 17 different dresses today. We'll see how much patience mom or daddy has, and we'll get to as many as we have patience for. <laughs> and if we run out of patience at five, then that's when your free will is, is you know, it's going to get cut down and we're going to change activities. And I think that's a big deal. I think be, having some some understanding of when it's not working, it's it's okay for your will to be kind of like not important at this point, right? Yeah, you know, set that that really firm line. And kids need that. They need this black and white. Like, oh, I know right now, that's I can't be doing this anymore because if yeah. there's a fuzzy line, they're going to keep pushing that to find out where. Hey. Newsflash, parents, kids don't push the boundaries to get further. They push the boundaries to find out when they, their safety zone is expired. Like They want to know how much safety they have. I know this is really hard to understand, but if a child is pushing, 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 it's not to be a pain in the butt. It's not to get more usually. It's to find out where the line is. Kids need to know the line. And that's, if you look at like classroom management, if a teacher has a horrible ma management and your kid's not learning anything because they haven't set a direct line and kids are acting out because they're trying to find the boundary. It's, it's just, it's child psychology. And so um, yeah, I'm glad we brought up Will because it, it's something that, you know, I had to handle a lot as a teacher and uh, same as with a coach, as a coach if you, in a gym or whatever. You've got to have a, a black and white. You've got to have this very tangible area where people are safe to operate in and kids the most. Well, man, I usually end by asking like, you know, what's your, what's your biggest uh, parenting tip? And we know it. 
Yeah, you already gave it to us. <laughs> yep, that's phenomenal. Um, I don't have a, I don't have a lot of parenting tips, but that that'd be it. I think that one is covers a lot of a lot of ground. Um, I have been uh, pleased. Not that you need my affirmation, but I mean, I have been pleased and taken joy in watching you guys raise your child virtually through be watching yeah. <laughs> parent, parent creeping like I do through Facebook. And um, I wanted to thank you so much for like just sharing some really cool ideas with us and the men in, that listen to the and women that listen to this podcast. Yeah, no problem, man. I really enjoyed being here and I hope, I hope it will be helpful for somebody, you know, I, it will appear, in, appear into my brain as how I try and do things, whether it's right or wrong. Right. <laughs> I, I wonder that every day, but uh, you know what? We have a lot to offer and, and you had a lot to offer and I really appreciate that. Hey, everybody, if you uh, enjoyed this podcast, first of all, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we're so fortunate to have people like Brian and our other guests share their experiences with us, help us all grow as parents, as men, and uh, like do yourself a favor, hit that subscribe button give us a rating. And if you're not in our Facebook group, Brotherhood of Fatherhood, uh, find us, push a little button to, to uh, get in. And then also we're on Instagram and uh, everywhere else. And if you are a man and you want to be an awesome father, you want, maybe you feel just a tiny bit shitty as a father. Maybe you're a medium shitty father and maybe you're a really shitty father or you feel that way. Or if you just want to not be shitty at all, um, hit, hit Josh and I up. Scott at brotherhoodfatherhood.com. Josh at brotherhoodfatherhood.com. Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever. And again, thanks so much for listening.